Episode 241 of the Bevan James Isle Show, an interview with Bill C. Potts. Rightio, team, welcome along to episode 241 of the Bevan James Isle Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of exercise so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Today I've got a great interview, um, a man by the name of Bill C. Potts, he's, he, he, he's basically gone through a long journey with cancer and he's written a book called up for the fight, how to advocate for yourself as you battle cancer from a five-time five survivor. And basically what Bill, basically Bill was kind of in the point where it was just getting really tough and he sat down with, I think it was a priest, and um, and the priest just said, you need to have purpose in this next moment. And so he determined that he wanted to write a book to teach those people who are going through the cancer journey around how to, how to, to deal with it in the best way, how to, you know, up for the fight, you know, and, and it's being an advocate for yourself as you work through this journey. And uh, let's be honest, cancer is, is is probably the worst health thing of our time. Um, and not that I'm trying to disregard any health things, but obviously it's a pretty it's a pretty challenging thing to deal with. And lots of people have to deal with this. And Bill wanted to create a book that if you start this, if you find out you are going through this process, it gives you a guideway and a pathway to deal with the many aspects of that journey. And I really enjoyed my talk with Boyle. So that's going to be coming later on after the first just of the show. And uh, and, and his website is Bill C. Potts, and we'll talk about that. BillCPotts.com, we'll talk about that later on. But yeah, you re- I think you really enjoyed this interview. He's... Um, very insightful through a very challenging time, so it's good stuff. Uh, I do want to say, obviously, I the book's out, and I just want to say thank you so much, especially the people who went out and bought it. Um, last week, I crapped my pants, and I, and I crapped my pants because I've spent two years of my life working on this project. It's a passion project. I've talked about the money and resource and all the rest that I've put into this book, and then and, and then you put it out there. And you don't know. You really don't know how it's going to go. And um, yeah, and, and day one comes out, and day one, you know, you put it out, and it went. Well, I, I released it on my to my database basically the day before it got released because on the newspaper in New Zealand, I got a big full page repeat, and it was on the biggest website, so I got lots of exposure. So I thought I'll at least send it out to my database on that one day. And then on the first day, it was in the bookshops. I did a TV show in New Zealand called The Project and I got a lot of good feedback on the interview I did on that and people seemed to really enjoy it. And then I got an email from my publisher the next morning saying it's sold out in bookshops in New Zealand, which is phenomenal, which I, I couldn't have helped form for more. You know, like desperate, we need more books and blah, blah, blah. And uh, and the the, the distrib- distrib- distributor was a little bit frustrated with the publisher because they were like, we haven't got enough books. And the publisher was like, well, this never happens. So... So that was really encouraging, and the good thing is, is that it's kept selling through the first week. Now, I see the book being a bit like the first moment it's going to be a big hit, and then from there, that's when we've got to go into using the money we've made from the book to actually figure out the marketing strategy around the book. And so, but the good thing is, the first week it's been absolutely phenomenal, and I know a lot of you people have bought the book, and. And some of you don't even need to buy the book. Like I know Shane Reeves is the guy who bought, who was one of, actually one of the first people to buy the book. 
um, he's, he's an athlete. He does coast to coast. It's not a book for him. And I'm sure he might pass it on to somebody in his life. But more importantly, I think it's just supporting this mission of mine. And I know that for some of you out there, that's all you are doing. And if you are that person, thank you so much because it really means a lot to me. And, and even if you are the person who thinks you need this book, thank you for getting the book because uh, it was interesting. I've had some really cool pieces of feedback. The, the girl at the gym who's selling the book for me at the gym, she said she took it home last night last night or just a couple of nights ago and she said, I'm already planning my first session that I've got to do by myself this week, which was really cool, which means the book is effective. It, it's going to help people love movement. And then I got another piece of feedback. One of our runners bought the book and she, her son, was who's like 20, started reading it. And he said to her, Mum, what's really interesting about this book is I can take a lot of this stuff and use it in my university studies. And like that's what this is all about, is, is growing better people. So it's just, you know, like I was crapping my pants last week because, you know, you, you can put these things out and they go nowhere. And there's a lot of projects out there in the world that people have done out there and gone nowhere. And I've got no false sense of illusion. Is that a wise sentence? I don't know. But I've got no... I, I understand that to make this book work, there's a lot more work to be done. And there's a lot more investment of resource and time to make it work, to, to actually having the impact we want to have. But it's really nice to show that the first signs are positive. A, it seems to be a book that people want. B, when I talk about the messaging to people who haven't heard it, that seems to be attractive to them and they want to move towards getting the book. See the people who have got the book. I'm getting good feedback around how I've put it together and that can actually help people create change. And uh, and D, it's actually, we are selling enough books where we are going to get a budget we can play around with. And that's, that's you know, I've talked about on this show a few times that that's what we're doing. Is every dollar we make, we're putting back into to buying more people getting the book, basically. So... It's 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 really cool, and I hope that you know the nice thing about a podcast is it's a record of time, isn't it? So I hope that in you know a couple of years from now, this book's you know worldwide known book, and it's had a massive impact on people. And so you know we might look back in this moment. Fingers crossed. Who knows? It might not be, but I, I really hope it does. So I just wanted to take the moment in the first part of today's show to say thank you for those people who supported the book. It's means so much now if you haven't got the book and you do mean to support me or you do think it's needed for you the website is www.passionaboutexercise.com remember when you buy the book i give you workouts to guide you through the first part of your journey with the move with the challenge or the journey and i also have that free goal setting course so the goal setting course is a seven day goal setting course which basically helps you set your goals over a seven day period and i've tried to make it the the value of the the things i'm giving you that go on top of the book is worth more the book than the book itself so the book's 37 dollars new zealand which works out to be about 26 dollars us we've got the audiobook version we've got the, the print version and you can get it worldwide as well so again Thank you. Actually, one thing, if, if I can ask you to do another favor if you haven't got the book, or if you have got the book, if, if you could put a review on Amazon, that'd be really helpful. At the moment, I think there's only one review, and I haven't really tried to push reviews yet, but reviews do help. Uh, obviously, people who go on like an Amazon, and, and admittedly, I'm not really trying to push the book on Amazon. I'd rather people buy it through the website because basically we make more money, which means we can have more money to the market and so on. But by putting reviews on, on Amazon, it, it, you know, obviously when people go on Amazon, they're going to see it and they're going to think, okay, maybe this book is for me. So if you have a minute of your time, jump on Amazon, do a review about the book. Um, and obviously, if you could make it really positive, that'd be really great. Uh, anyway, th- so I just want to say thank you for that because I really do appreciate, you just don't know how much it means to me. 
Like you really don't. You just don't know how much you supporting me getting this with this book means to me because it, it, again, it just means a lot. So thank you, thank you so much. Now I want to say a big before we get into the interview with Bill, I just want to say a massive thank you to the patrons of the show. These are some of the people who give some of their hard-earned money my way each time I do an episode of the show. And when you do become a patron, you get a cool Bevan James Oil Show nickname. And some of the people who are patrons, uh, we've got Michelle Moondance Van the inventor, we've got Jessica, leader of the pack, Lee, we've got BB going to the City Hall, Frail, we've got Hayden, smooth operator, Ryan, and Skip, I will, ne- oh, I will never skip Slade, <laughs> uh, those are patrons of the show, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to bevanjamesisles.com, click on podcast, click on support me, go through the process, and that way, every time I release an episode, you put some of your hard-earned money my way. Anyway, let's get into the interview with Bill C. Potts. Right, team. So, welcome to the show, Bill C. Potts. He's written the book "Up for the Fight: How to Advocate for Yourself as You Battle Cancer and from a Five-Time Survivor." Welcome along to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Bevan. It's great what you're doing, and I can't wait to read your book. Oh, thank you very much. So, um, where, does, where do we begin with you? Maybe give us your, your base history. Yeah, base history. Uh, you know, uh, relative to Iron Man. I started with uh, Ironman in 2003. I've been the VP of marketing of a sunglass company and had done a license with Ironman, Ironman sunglasses in, uh, in the late 1990s and uh, did a startup software company and uh, stayed in touch with the owner of Ironman and wound up uh, working for Ironman in 2003 when there were really only a handful of employees and when uh, there weren't that many races and the races that World Triathlon Corporation owned weren't many. It was, uh, you know, Hawaii. Uh, so uh, the rest of the races were were licensed, and so it was really fun to be a part of that uh, run up from the Ironman side. I left in I left in 2015 to move into the nonprofit world. I worked for Clearwater Marine Aquarium, home of Winter the Dolphin from the Dolphin Tail movies. But in the midst of this, there's a cancer story weaved in, going all the way back to uh, 2002, right before I uh, right before I started at Ironman. Well, could I ask what were you doing in Ironman? What was your role? Yeah, so I started off as the VP of marketing and I ended up when I left in 2015, I was the VP of global licensing. So, you know, Ironman being such a powerful brand, whether yeah. it be sunglasses or Timex Ironman watches or Ironman shoes. At one point we had, uh, you know, Power Bar, Ironman, uh, you know, uh, drinks, all those all those deals. Uh, that was my responsibility to work on the licensing side of it. What was it like, you know, because at that stage, you know, I actually think I did Hawaii 2004, I think it was, um, mm. you know, the sport had, did go into this, it was kind of like a, well, it was never, it was, I suppose it's a niche sport, but it was, there was a, there was a place for it. And the time you've been there, you saw massive expansion. What was it like being in the business at that stage and watching the growth of it? Yeah, it was a little bit like drinking from a fire hose from a work really? perspective, but uh, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, there were times when, when there weren't many of us. And as we started to grow, that we'd be traveling all over the place, spending weekends, you know, in different parts of the world for these races. But uh, it was really, uh, it's just awesome. I mean, think about it. You get to go to all these beautiful places around the world. And, and, and yes, you're working all the time, but you're also watching races. But what I always found with Ironman that I never, ever, ever, ever got tired of was 10 to midnight you know, nine to midnight, you know, watching these people just coming across and, and fulfilling their dreams. It, it, it was, it it wasn't the pros 
that, that, that may be inspired as much as it was the age groupers that are just, you know, sacrificing so much and overcoming so much to be able to finish the finish line, get across the finish line. I, I looked at it as, you know, Ironman at that time was in the dream fulfillment business because mm-hmm. you cross an Ironman finish line, you know, you know, it, it changes your life. Yeah. And, you know, for these folks that have overcome uh, a life's challenges, in which we saw so many, right, we get, we get to pick who would be in the NBC TV show. Uh, uh, you know, it was just remarkable to be able to watch that. But that was whether these folks were featured in Kona on TV or not, every race had these special, special people that were trying to trying to get to the finish line, you know, before midnight. So, so you've hit cancer five times. So tell us about that. Cause it's, you know, like, you know, once it's horrible, but you know, five times cheapest creepers. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's been pretty challenging. So 2002 was uh, diagnosed with thyroid cancer, treated with uh, a radiation treatment, the same radiation that was released by Chernobyl. So interestingly, you get a pill of that to help cure, or get rid of the thyroid cancer. In addition to having my thyroid taken out, I thought I was done. And then in 2008, now now I'm a number of years into Ironman, uh, I was diagnosed with stage three lymphoma, which is a blood cancer. And so I thought I was, I knew at that point I was not done because my particular type of lymphoma is not curable. So it's going to keep coming back. And so it did in uh, 2014, 2019. Uh, 2020. And in 2020, on top of the uh, lymphoma coming back, I also had prostate cancer. So uh, survived five times, uh, six already in progress, but we're going to wait and see uh, on the prostate and then, you know, kind of trying to uh, get get ready for uh, when when the lymphoma comes back again and and potentially as, as soon as a few years. And what was your purpose of writing the book? You know, like, obviously, you've got an amazing story to tell, but um, what, what, you know, when you sat down, you thought, I want to write a book about my experience, because it seems like it is also you try to guide people as they work through a journey of cancer. So maybe just tell me what was the purpose and who you're trying to help and how you're trying to help them. Yeah, it, it, it happened on September 17th, uh, 2020, when I had a tumor removed, uh, which was cancerous from uh, from below my hip. And I was in the recovery room. This is during the COVID pandemic. And so I couldn't have anybody in there in the hospital. And I, I woke up from surgery and I was basically having an emotional meltdown, you know, crying, like really crying. Yeah, I can imagine. And the nurse and the nurse is like, what's up? And, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure I'm up for the fight. That's the, the title of the book. And yeah. and, uh, you know, I'm not sure I want to go through this again. And, you know, I've had a great life and do I really want to put myself through what's about to happen. And so we worked through that. We talked through that for about an hour and the pastor came in and and I got my head okay. And at the end of this conversation, she said, Bill, you ought to, the pastor said, Bill, you, you ought to write a book and turn your pain into purpose. And so I said, okay. And so I committed to do it. And in particular, this book is what to expect when you're expecting, mm-hmm. uh, but for cancer, yeah. there is no book like this out there that kind of takes you through the guide. Look, I wish somebody else had written it. Uh, yeah. It's not fun to mm-hmm. kind of rewrite, you know, what you've been going through. I actually wrote this book while I was going through chemotherapy. So it's, uh, it's, it's meant to help people going through the cancer journey, yeah. uh, to take them from the very beginning all the way through ringing the bell. And it, it's, it is truly will make a difference because you can only learn what I have in this book by spending 20 years going through it. So yeah. uh, I accidentally became an expert and really feel called to share that with others. And so my purpose now is to make sure we get it in the hands of as many cancer patients and their families as possible 
so that it can positively impact their journey, which it will. I've test driven this book. It doesn't ship uh, until September, but I've test driven it with some folks that I know that are cancer patients. And, and I know, I know firsthand, you know, it's making a difference in their journey. So what are, what are some of the lessons that, that you need to learn as you go, you know, because it's jeepers creepers. It, it's, we, unfortunately, we lost our, our father-in-law, my father-in-law earlier this year to cancer. And, and it was a, sorry, it was, yeah. And it was, it was horrific really. It was really sad. And, and he was, it was, it was only in his mid seventies, but he was a really healthy mid seventies. You know, he was the kind of guy you thought he would get to a hundred and six months later, he'd passed away. And, um, you know, there's so many aspects to it, isn't there? You know, it's not just, Hey, I've got this mm. treatment that I need to go through. There's the emotional journey. There's the family, there's the dealing with the doctors. So, so what are some of the lessons that, that people need to consider when they're going through this journey? Like if you, you know, let's say you do find out you've got cancer, what are some of the things that people maybe don't see at first that they need to actually start to think about? Yeah, it's a great question. And if, if there's only one lesson that people take from the book, it is to own your own cancer journey. It's yours and you have to own it. Uh, you have to study. You have to stay on top of things. You know, you have to get second opinions and you can't lean on the medical community to manage it for you. You have to manage it yourself. And, I, and I'm treated, I've been treated at a couple of the best uh, cancer uh, clinics in the world. And they agree with that. I mean, the volume of patients coming through is so high that you have to be on top of it. As an example, for my first lymphoma, stage three lymphoma, I turned down the chemo treatment that they that they provide that they prescribed to me, and they're like, "Bill, what what do you mean you're turning it down?" I'm like, "Guys, I, I need my hair. I work for Ironman. You know, I'm in sales. I'm traveling all over the place. I, I can't I can't do a new licensing deal if I'm this, you know, sick guy going into the meetings. Do you have anything that can help me keep my hair?" And they're like. Well, give us a couple hours. I almost missed my flight, you know, back home here to Tampa. And, and two hours later, they came up with, uh, with a solution, which in 2008, nobody ever heard of. He says, nobody, you haven't heard of this. It's called immunotherapy. We're working on this thing. You need to help the body kill the cancer and you'll get to keep your hair. We're not sure if it's going to work, but uh, if it doesn't work, we'll, 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 we'll go back to what was originally prescribed. And that was my first really big eye-opening moment that they're okay with you advocating for yourself and you have to own every step of the journey, every step. And uh, that includes like example, when, when you're diagnosed, I recommend people don't push it out on social media. Don't talk about it until you have kind of a game plan as to how you're going to handle it because you need to figure out and handle your own emotions and your own mental state without having to have too many people, you know, reaching out to you. Yeah. Your family needs to know, but, in many cases, you're diagnosed with cancer. You don't know what type, or maybe it's wrong. You know, you need to get a second opinion, which is also a big lesson in, in the book, which I always do, and uh, get your head around it before you post about it. But uh, and you also have to be realistic about uh, what the journey is going to be, which means you need to study what the impacts of the chemotherapy or immunotherapy or radiation are going to be, what the side effects could be, and be ready for them, mm -hmm. so that the unexpected things don't happen. And I've been blindsided, you know, literally dozens of times. If I'd done my homework, you know, I wouldn't have been so surprised. I mean, the first time I had chemotherapy, immunotherapy for, for lymphoma, I had a massive, you know, reaction and went into anaphylaxis and I had no idea. I took my work computer to, uh, to work, you know, on Ironman while I was in the hospital. I'm like, whoa, no, nobody told me that, you know, mm -hmm. I should, I should have known that I should have studied that. So uh, basically the big lesson is own it. It's your journey and your life depends on you owning it. 
a lot of people like I know I am. I'm, I'm sometimes too polite to a fault. You know what I mean? Like sometimes, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I just rather be polite than be difficult. Um, and so, and not saying that you have to be difficult in these situations, but you know, you are dealing with people who are highly skilled, um, who have a lot of knowledge, and, and you probably don't know anything about this area, or when you first hear about it. Um, how do you, you know, because I imagine it's a problem for a lot of people is that they don't want to kind of be a burden and, and that kind of thing. So when you talk about, you know, you owning it, what, is, what do you have to know with, how, where, where do you have to be within yourself to be the person who can actually say, hey, actually are there better alternatives or, you know, I am going to get up, you know, because a lot of people, I imagine there are a lot of people who probably have better options in front of them, but they are just have that polite or don't want to be a burden type of thing. Yeah, I, 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 here's how I look at it. It's like, I have to be persistent. I'm always nice. Mm. but I'm persistent because my life could depend on it. Mm. So when the stakes are that high, right? Life and death, which is literally true. If, if you know, in some cases, you don't advocate for yourself and own your journey, then it, that, that's, the, that's the spark that I use to light the fire to make sure I do everything I can do with these doctors in a persistent, polite, consistent way uh, on my journey. That includes when I go into these appointments, having done my homework, right? I can tell you where my drugs were made. I can tell you, I can, I can pretty much guess what the, what the, what the chemo or immunotherapy treatment is going to be before it's even prescribed because I've done my homework and I've talked with others and I've talked with other groups and, and I've got my hands around it because they appreciate that. They appreciate mm -hmm. a knowledgeable uh, doctor. Yeah. You're, you're super nice, but if, if you had cancer, you would be still super nice. Mm -hmm. You would just be persistent. You wouldn't be pushy because pushy doesn't get you anywhere, no. but, uh, but persistence, does. And also trying to build a relationship with your care team makes a huge difference. And I'm fortunate that I've done that. Thank you notes for, for when you come, yeah. you know, asking them how they're doing, yeah. uh, support them in any way that you can. And it, it does. It, it's a, it's a difference. It can be the difference between life and death. So you just do it. When you say you do your research, you know, nowadays, Dr. Google, you know, like a lot of people get the cold and they think of cancer, you know, because, because they, you know, they catastrophize something that's maybe not really there. Um, so, in some ways, it's almost confusing trying to do research. So when you are doing your research, like how do you actually make sure you're getting good sources, you're getting the right kind of information? Because it's a, it's a, you can get lost very quickly, can't you? Yeah, you know, it's it's actually in the book. It says don't over over uh, mm. over review things on, yeah. you know, don't over Google things. But you can go to the sources. Like for me, Leukemia Lymphoma Society and the U.S. has has great resources, right? So I, I'm a blood cancer patient, so I lean on them, and they give me the they they have the resources that are already, you know, are already really good. And so you don't have to worry about, am I looking at the right site on Google? So I, I lean on that. I, I lean on my care providers and ask them, you know, get their information. Okay. And so doing homework doesn't mean just Googling it because that could kind of freak you out, yeah. but leaning on, leaning on the experts. If you have prostate cancer, there's prostate organizations, you know, lung cancer, those organizations, they've already vetted all the materials and all the research that they have. So lean on those. Regards to the people in your life, um, is there a part? Is it part of your job to train them how to deal with you at that time? If you know what I mean, because it, there's, oh, there's obviously you're going to go like I can't even imagine finding out cancer. But if I found out I had cancer, it's this kind of emotional wall that I've been hit with, with you know, big questions. You know, is this the end of me and all that kind of stuff? But then you've got the people in your life, and there's going to be different people respond in different ways, um, and. I know, like what? How, what's the management of those relationships as you're working through this journey? 
Oh boy, that's that's the best question I've had, and it it depends, right? So my family, they never, my kids don't know anything different, you know, since they can remember yeah, okay. their dad's been fighting this cancer journey, twin girls and and a son, uh, and he's has done a couple Ironman seventy point three events, but uh, it's it is, it's really challenging. So for them, when they were younger. I didn't let them see me sweat, right? It was still positive. Life is normal, the best I could be. As they got older, and particularly this last uh, version that I'm kind of still going through because I'm still immunocompromised from the chemotherapy, even though it's been over a year since I had it, uh, they kind of woke up as they got older. And they're like, oh, geez, you know, this is, this is serious. And so we just, we just kind of, it, it kind of inherently brings us closer together all these years. But I can't say when they were little, we talked about it much. Yeah. Uh, but as they got older, a little bit more. Um, I learned so much in the chapter that they wrote in the book uh, oh, about about their journey. So interesting. Uh, with friends, um, you know, it's, there's only a small group of friends that really are dialed in on, you know, what I've been going through because it's not something I pr really prefer to talk about, which is ironic considering how <laughs> yeah, much. No, yeah. yeah. And I'm on a podcast talking about it. But the, the friend thing is, it's, it's challenging, but probably the best lesson I've learned from the friends thing is don't have too broad a circle of people who know the inner dealings of what you're going through. Uh, as a patient, you know, try to be as positive as you can be with them so that they don't get freaked out. But probably the best thing I've learned is if they ask to help you, let them. Because it makes them feel better and makes them a part of your journey. And it, it is really super cool. But actually even bigger than that, the thing I learned, which I never did before. If like I would tell, I tell my friends I love them. Mm. You know, even my yeah. guy friends, the, the close ones. And I had never yeah. done that before, but I'm like, geez, what if I don't get to do that? Right. What if I don't yeah. get to say it? And I, and I do love them. So I tell them, they tell me back and it's honestly, it's been magic. Could I ask the idea, you know, like it's, we all, you, when you think of the people in your life, you, you kind of stick an identity on them. And it's kind of these, these leading questions, you know, like one question I got when I was doing Ironman was, how's your training? You know, like people mm. knew I was an athlete. And the first question I tend to get was, how's your training? Um, mm. And, you know, because we kind of have people in these three or four boxes that we mainly see them in. And so our leading questions are based around that. When you're going through cancer or someone knows you have cancer, do you often get, how's the treatment going? Or, you know, and, and how do you make sure that's not the only way people see you? Oh, it's such a, it's, it's so true. And so I would, and if they're a casual friend, if it happens to be somebody at work and largely I kept it a secret, uh, but if, if they knew, I just say, yeah, I'm doing fine. Okay. Uh, or, or, yeah, or yeah. Cause I, yeah. Try to close it off. If it's a close friend, I'll say, yeah, I, I'm doing pretty well. And they'll say, Bill, how are you really doing? And I'm yeah. like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of rough right now. Anything I can do for you, usually the next question. Yeah, seriously, dude, could you could you go pick up, you know, a chicken sandwich for me or whatever? Uh -huh. That's what I'm really craving. And yeah, sure. You know, I have one guy say, what can I do for you? And I'm like, I don't know. He says, can I take you fishing? I'm like, yes. Yeah. And I'm like, just take me fishing. Two days later, I'm out on the water fishing and that's what I needed. So yeah, you're right. You try to close it off because you don't want your identity to be the cancer yeah. guy. Yeah. I still have a job. You know, honestly, until I spoke at Ironman Texas in front of the in front of the uh, welcome banquet when I was racing Ironman Texas 2011, three years after uh, my 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 diagnosis was stage three lymphoma. Kevin McKinnon, who also a great athlete, but who who wrote for Ironman at the time, yeah. he didn't even know. 
And so he heard me speak at the banquet and he wrote an article that night and said, wow, Bill Potts is, you know, a cancer survivor then number two, only two, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it was hard to even talk about it. And I wouldn't even do the banquet until one of my stats says, Bill, you have to get up there and tell your story. It's really cool. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and on that front, you know, like, um, when you go through treatment, you know, because for me, like, I'm, I'm a hardcore exerciser. I love exercise. You know, like, it's, I, I have one day off a week, but, you know, I'm not going to exercise every day, every day of my life, really. But then I, in moments when you're going through hardcore treatment, obviously, there's aspects of yourself you can't be. And because you're in treatment, is that something you just accept and you're cool with? Or is it actually quite tough to be missing the parts of yourself like movement or, you know, there's aspects that actually you still are a part of your identity that are important to you? Yeah, it's actually really hard. I really miss it. I mean, running is my therapy. That yeah. is how I handle all the stress. And when you can't run, yeah. uh, it's 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 a real challenge. And and I have tried to walk during this last treatment, which was just really, really difficult. But even then, you know, I could have some days I just couldn't even, you know, do a walk around the block. And it, it yeah, because your body starts to change. You know, you get this thing called chemo belly from the chemo. You're gaining mm. weight. You know, I'm taking naps all the time. It was brutal. Yeah. It was brutal not to be able, cause I'm known as, I mean, I'm an athletic guy. Yeah. I'm not good at any, I'm not good at any of it, <laughs> but, uh, but I love it. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard on the identity. And I think the book was, was really good therapy in the sense when I couldn't exercise at all, I was, I was writing the book when I could, I mean, there's days and weeks I couldn't write it cause I didn't feel good enough. But when I felt good, I was writing and it was, uh, it was kind of, pretty good. I mean, in a way I was writing it, I was writing the chapter on, on the dying piece. And, uh, I, all of a sudden I had my heart rate goes through the roof. I get dizzy. I call my wife. I'm like, I'm like, something's wrong with me. I lay down. She, she checks my blood pressure and she goes, what were you doing? I said, I was working on the book. She goes, were you working on the dying part? I'm uh, like, Oh yeah. It was just yeah. that kind of stress that set things off. Yeah. And, and I think one thing that's coming across is that actually having a purpose even when you go you know because i think what you're talking about is that, that when you talk to that priest that they gave you a purpose through this moment because you were kind of in this moment where it's like actually i've had enough and mm. you know which is a horrible moment to confront but it's like this is too hard and then to, to even have a purpose in a tough moment is still really important yeah it's so true and i was so lucky that i had a publisher that was willing to work with me on this journey and i had an editor that was basically on call for me wow. when i felt like uh talking to her and it uh the publisher are the only ones in my life that have ever really been through the behind the ropes look at what i'm going through because we would have calls uh often and and they knew what i was going through on the journey mm -hmm. as i was going through the chemotherapy and immunotherapy even more so detailed than my family knows because again back to yeah how do you handle your family yeah. you don't tell them everything yeah, you got to protect them a little bit don't you mm -hmm. yeah what's it like to face your mortality you know like i i i you know, i remember my dad said to me my dad's my parents are quite young considering my age but my dad's only 65 now and i remember he just said to me once and, and, and touch wood that we had no sickness with my parents but um he just said you, you kind of get to an age and you realize there's an end you know and, and fingers crossed it's another 30 years away for him but you know like when you hit with something like cancer and there's potential for death and, and a lot of people do die so you know it's, it's a I don't, I don't know what the percentage is comparison to people who get it to who die but you do have to confront that and it's I don't know what's that like 
Yeah. You know, first of all, I have a goal for how long I want to live, which okay. is 90, 93. So at Ironman Texas, I raced with 93 because, you know, okay. I worked for Ironman. I could pick my number. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I had an Ironman 70.3. I supposed to, I supposed to beat my son in Ironman 70.3 Florida and my cancer came back. And so he raced with my number 93. So I do have a goal. Yeah. Uh, uh, I know that goal is going to be difficult to achieve with incurable, incurable cancer because the cancer smartens up, but you know, I, I, I didn't realize until 2008, I had my first, when I had the a reaction, the anaphylaxis, when, you know, it was really life-threatening, you know, reaction, uh, for the first chemo. That's the first time I'd even thought about the dying part. And, and, and then I kind of tucked it away and, you know, my medical care team's like, you're going to beat this. You're going to be fine. We got you. We're going to get you to age 93. My medical care team knows my goal. Nice. And they're like, we'll get you there. So I was super confident. It really wasn't until uh, uh, September 17th, 2020, that it really dawned on me that, you know, this, this, this could be, this could be it. My faith is uh, super strong. Uh, my attitude is generally super good, but it's a heavy thought, you know, knowing that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, this thing could, 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 could catch you, but you have to lean on your, I, I, I lean on my faith for that. Uh, lean on my family uh, on for that. And, and, and it really gives you an additional sense of gratitude for each day. Yeah. And I don't sweat the small stuff nearly as much. Okay. And I spend time doing what I think is going to be adding value, but um, I'm not afraid of dying. And I was, you know, okay. for, for a long time, but I don't want to die, but mm -hmm. uh, I'm not afraid of it. And, and somebody asked me yesterday, so what would be if you're what would be your last words and who would you want to be with you? And I'm like, it would be my family, of course, but it'd be thanks because it's been a great run. Yeah. And whenever that time comes, hopefully it's at age 93. Uh, you know, I, it's I've lived a, a full life. And so one way I deal with the dying piece is by trying to live. Yeah. Live. I just live. Now, I'll be honest, I'm not someone who has faith, you know, I'm not a religious person. And so, and, and in some ways, I think, like my wife, she said, in some ways, you know, losing her dad, she said, in some ways, it would be nice to have religion because, you know, there is that kind of the, the faith of the next life. Um, do you have advice for people who don't, you know, because it does, it is really important for you. And I think it's a really beautiful thing to have at this moment. And, um, and again, I, who knows, but at the same time, do you have advice for people who don't have faith in this situation? Yeah. Yeah. The advice would be, uh, you just have to focus on the now yeah. and focus on the living and not focus on the dying and, 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 and live as much as you can while you can. And I've had yeah. friends that have passed away from cancer that didn't have the faith and, 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 and one in particular did it beautifully. You know, mm -hmm. he, he took a, uh, he took a vacation, you know, stopped treatment, took a vacation with his family because that was important to him because he yeah. knew it was going to be difficult to win anyway. Uh, he did, he spent, you know, so much time, uh, with his family and with his friends yeah. that you just do that and just yeah. get the most out of it. You can. Yeah. What do we, you know, obviously you're being very fortunate that you are living longer, but there is that moment where some people are going to find out, you know, that there is no cure. The end isn't close to you. Do you talk about that in the book and, and how to deal with that? Yeah. So the advice for those that know that they're not going to make it and, uh, yeah, is, 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 it is, 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 is to fight as hard as you can to inspire others that are going oh, through nice. the journey. Love it. Yeah. yeah and that's kind it. of the secret sauce that gives them a purpose. Instead yeah. of giving up, you know, just fight like heck and, and, and show them, show others, you know, uh, inspire them through your fight. Well, for people who, 
you know, because obviously you've written this for two people, it's that person who's going through the journey and those who are supporting people through the journey. What's some advice for, you know, for the, the people who are supporting, you know, or, or what, what do you want them to know as they read this book? As they kind of, you know, let's say my partner finds out they've got cancer today. What do I, what do I want to start to learn from this book? Yeah, so I, I learned some great things from my wife and kids who wrote that answer to that question in the yeah. book. And, and, and it's like you have to, as a caregiver or a family, you've also got to take care of yourself. Uh, and nice. uh, you really have to. And uh, so you don't, for example, my twin daughter, uh, one of my twins was about to move to Boston right when I was about to start my last uh, treatment. She goes, Dad, you know, should I go? Or do you want me to stay here? I'm like, no, go live your life. So you still yeah. have to live your life. Um, you have to, you still got to have your friends, you know, your support, you still need to do your hobbies. My wife plays tennis. You have four days a week through the yeah. whole thing. And when, yeah. when I wasn't in the hospital yeah. and she wasn't there with me, so you have to live it. And, uh, and you have to have your own support. You know, my wife's biggest concern was what happens to you if something happens to me? Mm. I'm like, makes sense. Right. If she gets sick yeah. or tears a knee on the tennis court and got to have surgery. And yeah. so she was a little bit cautious on all those things, but um, yeah, anyway, they, the best advice I could give would just be live your own life. Don't, don't stress over math that you're reading about or seeing on the internet about that particular type of cancer. You don't have to dive into too much detail and basically just be present when they need you. And I think one thing that seems really that you've done really well, Bill, is that you you understand the giving that's coming to you, and you give back. You know, as the, as the patient, as the person with the with the, you know, you talk a lot about you know making your support network is and your medical professionals feel like they're a part of your team, making sure that you appreciate, you know, giving back to your family. And because in some ways, and this it's, I wouldn't call it a selfish time, but it comes a bit about you, doesn't it? You know, and so you've got to make sure that it doesn't just your, you know, the people around your life will be consumed by you. And if you get what I mean. Yeah, no, it is. It is actually, it is a great time to be in a way to be selfish, right? Because you're fighting yeah. for your life. And yeah. so you have to focus on, on getting better at, at, at all costs, but yeah, yeah. you're right. You, you have, you have to moderate that with, with empathy for those that are watching you go through it. And I think it's gotta be hard for my family to watch me suffer. And when there's nothing they can do except just be there, but yeah. being there, is what I needed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really close. When you, it's funny when you think about what's really important. It's just that knowing, that knowing, eh? you know, that knowing that, that people who care for me are there for me. Mm. Yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's the best thing they could do. They just would sit there, not say a word. And wow. that's all I needed. Yeah. What's been the greatest reward of writing this book? Uh, so far, it's been the positive feedback that I've received, you know, from people that have read it. Yeah. And uh, I told the pastor at uh, at the Mayo Clinic uh, where I was uh, went through the September 17th, 2020 thing. I, I, I told her if it just made I was going to do it. And if it made an impact on one person, then it would be worth it. Yeah. Somebody asked me the question in front of mine said, Bill, has the cancer journey been worth it? And I'm like, what kind of question is that? I mean, it's, it's yeah. been pretty rough. <laughs> but I'm like, I, 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 I thought about it. And I'm like, well, so far, no. Yeah. Uh, but when the book comes out uh, and it's written and it gets in the hands of cancer patients and their families and improves their journey and, and there's tips in there that I'm not overselling, it can, can save lives, then it has been worth it. So the, the, the answer to all this journey is, is being able to use my journey to help others 
and that's just it just it's going to be so rewarding i can't wait for it to come out and get bigger distribution yeah and also i imagine you've learned a lot about yourself as much as you'd rather have a life without this experience i'm sure there's you know, even I, I love how you mentioned just letting people in your world know that they, you love them. You know, like it's, there's so many amazing lessons I'm sure you've learned through this massive adversity you've been through. Yeah, I have a chapter called Lanyap, which is a French Cajun word, which is kind of the summary of some of the lessons about life that I learned, you know, going through the cancer journey. Uh, look, I much would have rather not gone through it, but uh, it's changed my life in so many positive ways. Um, you know, you can't, you, you, you you can't change what's happened. So I don't look backward. I look forward yeah. and I'm just grateful uh, for, honestly, I'm just grateful for every day. And like, I'm grateful to have the time to talk with you today. It's, yeah. it's just awesome. Hey, Bill, the book, the book is called up for the fight. Now it, I, I see it's not actually on the market yet. You can pre-order it from the website. The website is billcpots.com. We'll have that in the show notes. Uh, so basically pre-order it now and it comes out in September, is it? Yeah, it does. And, and September 13th, it'll be available worldwide. Uh, I think for you guys, the Kiwis, you buy it from Amazon, Australia. Yeah. Yep. You, yep. You, uh, uh, it's going to be uh, in the US, you know, Barnes and Noble, Target, things like that. But uh, yeah, I just hope uh, we can get in the hands of many people as we can. Oh, well, and I like think... you, like you writing a book just to try to make a difference. Yeah, totally. And, and I think, you know, it's unfortunately, cancer is probably, you know, really is the most horrible thing of our time really when we think of how it affects the world and so and fingers crossed in the future we do know how to get over it but um working through this is a really important thing so thank you for your time today and thank you so much for the interview and again the website is billcpots.com the book is up for the fight check it out it's, i think it's a pretty important book for many people out there Hope you enjoyed that interview. I know it's very specific to people going through a specific thing, but let's be honest, cancer is one of those things which unfortunately affects most of us at some stage in our life. It's either through people we know, like Joe's father losing his life to cancer this year, um, or ourselves and people in our community. So the book isn't out yet, but if you go to the website billcpot.com, you can pre-order it now. We'll send you to Amazon. Uh, we'll ship around the world, so you'll be able to get it from Amazon around the world and get that pre-order right now. Um, it'll come out in September, and uh, if you read some of the reviews, and these are from people who are like doctors and stuff, people, who, oncologists, and people who work with cancer, it's got some really good reviews. So I think it's going to be a pretty important book as we move into you know, for, for those people who are dealing with cancer. So again, the book is called Up For The Fight, How To Advocate For Yourself As a as You Battle Cancer From A Five-Time Survivor. So I'll, again, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Anyway, that's this week's show pretty much done and dusted. Um, yeah, again, I want to say massive thank you for the support of the book. Uh, if you can support the book, what you can do is get the book on www.passionaboutexercise.com. Dot com. You could also put a review on Amazon. That'd be really great if you could do that. Um, also, spread the word. You know, if you know this book is for people who aren't exercising. So if you know somebody in your life who isn't exercising, if you can send a review to, you know, send them, send them the website. Just say, hey, 
this guy is really passionate about helping people. He seems to have put together a really good plan. I think this is a really good investment in yourself. It's kind of using, especially if you're someone who's fit, because you've often got credibility. But you know what? Even if you're not fit, if you're just someone who wants to help somebody else bring exercise into their life. So help me spread the word. Uh, also, thank you to the patrons of the show. If you want to become a patron, go to bevanjamesisles.com, click on podcast, support me, and go through the process. And I'll be back in a couple of weeks from now with the next episode of the podcast. As always, Keep being you.